Good morning, Theo 102. Good morning, CO. Happy Monday to you all. That we was are a great way to intro class. That's a great way. Yeah. <laughs> we are adding a new phrase to the creed today. We're going back to the statement, I believe. Remember that from like 10 lifetimes ago, I believe, to start the creed? We're now headed into another I believe statement. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the third yes. member of the Trinity. So we're adding that to the creed. The creed is getting longer, but we're actually weirdly close to the end of the creed right now. It's, it's very short phrases now from here on out. I'm excited. This is a really important one, and we're going to have fun with it this morning. Um, just to keep in mind a reminder, your Wednesday sections are not meeting in your sections this week. We're in that middle period of the semester, this time when we are meeting here on Wednesday. So Wednesday is the new Friday. Wednesday is the new Friday. Monday, Friday, it's this week, it's the next week, and it's even the week after that. Yes. So where are we going to be on Wednesday? Right here, okay? Yes. And then Friday is no class. However, we've got this big lacuna here, and we've been wondering as, as professors in the class, like, how can we connect with people? We can't, like, force people to, you know, show up for mandatory fun time at the quad on 9 p.m. on Friday night or something like that. But we did think of an idea. You got an email about this, but I want to pump the email one more time, and I want to pump the idea one more time to you just in person, namely the idea of Theo group conversation dinners with professors. So I'm going to send out this link one more time today. What more can we say about this? I would have loved to have done something like this. Who does this with yes. students? Who would even do this we at a different university? The, 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 the people who are interested in the very obscure, nerdy conversations, we want to talk with you. Yeah. We want you to talk with us, and we just want you to know, because when I was your age, and I'm still this way, I was very motivated by delicious food. Oh, totally. So we're not taking you to like small time restaurants. No, no, professors have, have standards that are different from your standards probably. And so <laughs> we're not gonna go through this unless it's like middle, you know, upper middle class kind of restaurants. The food is going to be delicious. So, so good so in other food, words, good conversation So the idea behind professors. this, in case you didn't see the email, we'll send it out again, is that we just want to invite you uh, and we'll come up with groups and we'll do all the details. We just want to invite you to dinner and we'll totally drive and we'll totally pay. And we just want to take you somewhere in Newburgh, maybe Beaverton, maybe Portland, who knows, tons of good options we have in mind, in groups of maybe five, six, or seven. And we just want to take you out to eat and talk about things that you think are interesting in the class. So if this you want to sign- This is not required. You no don't extra get extra credit. credit. This is not required. This is just purely for the intellectual and spiritual thrill of conversation and amazing food. And that's literally it. Do you know how much we went out to eat when I was a kid? Um, Even when I was a teenager. Never. I don't know. Never. That's how much. I do know that you once did go per because year. you told me all about the buffet once. Oh, yeah. We used to, when I got my report card, we <laughs> went to this buffet called Ponderosa. Is, is there a Ponderosa steakhouse around here? It's kind of like Golden Corral, but worse. And that's I where we went. I love once a good a year. buffet. I like to eat my money's yeah. worth and then, then some. Yeah. We, eat, we ate our money's worth as a poor family at the buffet. <laughs> they, they, they dreaded us coming. But anyway, it's going to be way better than that. It's going to be great <laughs> food. We'll send out that email one more time. And then after that, we're going to get the schedule going and we're going to schedule these. So how are we connecting with you all during this week? Well, for those who want to during these weeks of, of, of the gap in section, um, this is not Have required. Have dinner with us. Have yeah. dinner with us, okay? Yeah, um, also just to let you know, a little less fun reminder that the midterm is coming up on mm. March 4th. There, the study guide is being updated. You should have, we hope you'll have everything that you need to study well and be prepared for the exam. We want to remind you mm -hmm. of that. The study guide should be updated with some specific notes on the exam this week, I'm thinking. I've got it on the calendar. Here's the thing though, this is gonna be a lot less hand-holdy 
than last semester because we know now you've had two really, really standard examples of what our exams look like. We're going to continue along those themes. You can bet, bet your bottom dollar that you're going to have to recite a, a written recitation of the creed up to where we are through week seven in the class, so you will see that on the study guide. Um, and then there are going to be some objective questions. We think, we could be wrong, but with some feedback from y'all, we think we've done a better job this semester at making sure there are like very testable kinds of points, very clear kinds of like here are four things, here are three things. If you need to go back and re-listen to some of the lectures, of course, just a reminder, they're all recorded and all publicly available on the I Believe podcast. All right, so we have a new lecturer for you all. A never-before-seen lecturer. Never-before-seen here at Theo 102, but uh, seen in many classrooms across the campus. Dr. Sarita Edwards will be our lecturer today. Oh, yeah. um, You'd be clapping right now if you knew her. Oh, she's amazing. You yeah. would be. Dr. Sarita Edwards has a PhD from Fuller Seminary and an MA from Wheaton College Graduate School. She is a missiologist and which means she specializes in missions and her specialty is a biblical theology of mission. Her new book, Breaking Through the Boundaries, Biblical Perspectives on Mission from the Outside In, is out now. She is an excellent scholar, an excellent teacher. She's an excellent student of biblical theology. She also is planning on raising chickens this spring, which is kind of fun, and I want to talk like to her disaster. more about that. She, oh no. That, that sounds crazy. That's great. If anyone can do it, Dr. Sarita Edwards can, I agree. because she I, I can agree. do yeah. pretty much anything. So we're going to Agreed. say the creed together, and then I'm going to invite you to welcome Dr. Edwards to join us. Will you join me in the creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Will you join us and welcome Dr. Sarita Edwards? Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, something that Dr. Payne didn't mention is that I'm actually going to start a little farm I'm a city girl born and raised in Wollongong, Australia, big city in Australia, and I do have an accent, by the way. I can hear the rumbles. <laughs> You're not crazy. Um, and so I've actually always lived in cities, but my husband has always um, lived in the country, and so he's on a mission. So chickens are the first thing on the agenda, goats next, and apparently I just went yesterday, we're going to get a burrow. So there you go. <laughs> a little bit of trivia about me. Um, we've been going through the Apostles' Creed as a class, and if we have been talking about God the Father and God the Son, and today we're going to be exploring God the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to start this morning with an intriguing passage in the book of Acts. And so you've been reading, or are going to be reading, in the book of Luke. And so Luke-Acts is actually a two-part series, both written by the author Luke. And so I want to start us in the book of Acts today. So the passage that I'm going to read is actually um, during a time period where Jesus has already died and he's resurrected and he's been appearing to the believers for 40 days. 
And so this is Acts 1, 4 through 8. On one occasion, when Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. For the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And later, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, verse 8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And again, remember I just said like Luke acts are like connected. So the end of Luke, Jesus says the same thing. Luke 24, uh, 49. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So I grew up in a Christian church and I learned about the Holy Spirit in church, kind of. I remember when we were singing hymns at church, we would sing the stanza about God the Father, we would sing the stanza about God the Son, but we would often like skip the stanza of like God the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a diss on the Holy Spirit. I think just those hymns were really long and they just chopped up a few, a few of the stanzas at the end. Um, and so I didn't really learn tons about the Holy Spirit in church. When I was 16, God spoke to me for the first time. And so I started to realize that God is alive, living, God speaks. But I still didn't really know very much about the Holy Spirit. It was only when I went to grad school, I was going to grad school in Chicago, where I was taking a class on the book of Acts, and all of a sudden, I started reading about the Spirit of God, moving, speaking, healing, filling people with boldness, filling people with joy. And I was in this class on the book of Acts, And the students in the class, they were from totally different denominations, different Christian backgrounds, but they were all talking about how the Holy Spirit was moving in their life today. And I just really couldn't relate at all. And so I started to get really curious about the Holy Spirit. And I remember I invited one of the girls who had shared tons of stories about the Holy Spirit to our local cafe on the university campus. It was called the Stoop, and it had really large wooden um, seats. And I remember it felt a little bit like a spy story, because I was so curious about the Holy Spirit, and we sat in this large seats, wooden seats. And I remember, I know this is stupid, but it was, it was, this is real. And I was kind of like whispering like, so I hear you know about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then she was totally normal. And she was like, yeah. And she just told me like normal, in a normal voice, like stories about how God was working in her life during that time. And so I started to get real curious about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And during, during that time, I was living in Chicago, as I mentioned, I was in grad school. And we had family friends staying with us from Australia. And some of you can relate to this. You have family friends that you call auntie and uncle, and there's no blood relation, but they're family. And so Uncle Al and Auntie Cheryl from Australia were staying with us. And I remember talking to Auntie Cheryl one day, and I remember exactly where it was in our living room. It was the afternoon, it was sunny. I can't remember anything that we talked about that day, except she said, When I was filled with the Holy Spirit, 
I was never the same. When I was filled with the Spirit of God, my life changed forever. And I remember being like really intrigued, like, what does she mean? What does she mean her life was never the same again? And so I started reading the Bible. I just like ripped it apart, not literally. I mean reading it, right? But reading every passage where it talked about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ. And I was curious about three questions, and they they kind of came up, like, who is the Holy Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit in Scripture? And how is the Holy Spirit involved in our lives today? And so in this series, we've been talking about big ideas. And so today, we're going to be talking about three big questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit in Scripture? And how is the Holy Spirit involved in our lives today? And so I'm just going to pause here. I want you to turn to the person next to you. One person, look around, choose choose the lucky person. And I want you to answer as best as you can, okay? Back, front, I don't care where you're sitting. Just honestly, best as you can, in this moment, if someone's asleep, boom. Yeah, I'm Australian, we're rough. We're rough in Australia. Um, I want you to answer the question, best as you can, who is the Holy Spirit? Okay, let's, let's come back together. If you answered God, you are correct. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, as you read Scripture, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, in answering who is the Holy Spirit, the first thing you see when you read the Bible is the Holy Spirit is God fully God. And just as God the Father is all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, creator, eternal, all those things are true of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit also is the third person of the Trinity. So if you answer that, you're right on as well. The third person of the Trinity And so when we're talking person, we're not talking human being, we're talking divine person. When Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, Jesus uses the pronoun he. 
Never it, always he. The Holy Spirit is a real person. And and the Holy Spirit acts all the way through Scripture. The Holy Spirit speaks, intercedes, testifies, leads, commands, guides, appoints. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, blasphemed, lied to. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. And then as you read scripture as well, you'll notice that there are many different terms that are used for the Holy Spirit. And so I just kind of want to give you a few of them so when you read the Bible, you can kind of see the different terms. Uh, The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord. In the New Testament, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and in some translations, the Holy Ghost. All those terms are referring to the third person of the Trinity. Who is the Holy Spirit? God. Divine person. And so then you have to go into Scripture de- like deeper and say, okay, where do you see the Holy Spirit moving, working? Where do you see the Holy Spirit in the Bible? So several of our speakers this year as we've been together in Theo have mentioned this really powerful verse right at the beginning of Genesis, Genesis 1-2. And I want to start right there. And so Genesis 1-2, where do you see the Holy Spirit in Scripture? Genesis 1, verse 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the waters. I have on the board, and hopefully in big enough letters, Ruach Elohim. This is the Hebrew phrase. The Spirit of God. Hebrew. And you you see this, sometimes just the Spirit, but typically the Spirit of God. And it means literally spirit, but also the term can mean breath, as in wind, the breath of God, the spirit of God. And so the spirit of God is hovering. And so I like like what the um, biblical scholar and theologian Christopher Wright says about this passage He says, the author's not saying it was a super windy day that day. Like, it was just, there was wind. Um, He instead, Wright goes on to say, like, he's not saying it was windy. He was saying the Spirit of God is like this hovering, waiting, this powerful, waiting movement, hovering, watching, ready to move in action in creation. This hovering, this power, waiting to create. Ruach Elohim, hovering over the waters. And as you continue reading scripture, you see this connection between the Holy Spirit, power, and action. The Holy Spirit, power, and action. And so as you keep going in in the Hebrew scriptures, you'll notice that the Holy Spirit interacts with tons of people. And it says in the Hebrew scripture that the Holy Spirit, get ready, 
comes upon them. In the New Testament, it talks about the Holy Spirit filling people. And it happens quite a lot in the Hebrew Scriptures. You have the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, coming upon people and empowering them, power, and spurring them to action. And in the Hebrew Scriptures, it's often leaders. So prophets, judges, kings, warriors, priests, artists, individuals such as Bezalel, who was an Israelite artist who worked in gold, silver, bronze, and wood. And it says the Holy Spirit came upon this artist, filled him with power, and tasked him to create the furnishings of the tabernacle where the Hebrews worshipped. Holy Spirit coming on people, empowering them, tasking them for action. And so this continues on leaders and judges, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Samson. These are all individuals where it says the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, came upon them, empowering them for a task or a role. Kings, Saul, David, warriors, Amasai, some of Saul's soldiers, priests and prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and many others. But the Holy Spirit didn't come on everyone. On these leaders, the Holy Spirit came, and it says the Holy Spirit spoke to them, spoke through them, and empowered them for a task or a ministry. Spoke to them, spoke through them, and empowered them for a task or a ministry or role. Um, But as I mentioned, it wasn't on everyone. It was on a few leaders here and there, a few individuals here and there, filled with the power of God, and they did something. They won a battle. They led Israel. But again, not everyone. There's this really interesting scene that takes place in Numbers 11, 29, a conversation between Moses, one of the most famous Hebrew leaders, and his aide, Joshua. And in this conversation, Moses says, I wish that all Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. In the context of this passage, Moses is lamenting, I wish God would put his spirit on everyone, but unfortunately that's not the case. God hasn't. It's just not a select few. And this is what happens in the Hebrew Scriptures. It's just one person here, one person there, one person here. But then there's kind of like a rumbling. The prophets start speaking. Prophets like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel. And they start prophetically declaring that in the future, the Holy Spirit will come on everyone. In Joel 2, 28 to 32, the prophet says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, 
Even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The prophets. This is going to change. There will be a time when the Holy Spirit, Ruach Elohim, will come on all people. And you say, New Testament, we're moving through Scripture. New Testament, you start to see this shift. You're going to be reading a lot from the book of Luke. The birth of Jesus. You start to see the Holy Spirit everywhere. Mary becomes pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Mary's relative, Elizabeth, is filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, is filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies. Simeon, who meets Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus in the temple is filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be reading in Luke how Jesus is is filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered for ministry. And you see this thread, the Holy Spirit empowering the Messiah for ministry. But again, it's not everyone right at the end after Jesus has has, um, resurrected, there's this really intriguing passage in John 20, 21 to 22. It says, after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples and he tells them, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And Jesus breathes over the disciples and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes over the, Holy, uh, over the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, but again, this is just the disciples, it's a few people. Maybe 11, maybe there are a few more. Not everyone. The, prophes- the prophecies of Joel Jeremiah, Ezekiel hadn't come to pass yet. And and that's when we go back to the book of Acts, that passage I started to read in Acts 1. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water. In a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples waited. Where is the Holy Spirit in Scripture? The disciples waited. Jesus ascended. They're waiting. And then this happened. Acts 2. It's Pentecost. All the disciples and believers were in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seated. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Could you imagine if that happened here today? You're sitting in Theo 102, talking about the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, you just hear this like, shh, shh. and Dr. Doke is down, down here, and he, he has his phone, so you know it's not the, 
the music. And just shh. And then it gets violent, and then you kind of hear things rattling, and you're looking around, and like, this is impossible. And then you see, like, light, like, come on people's heads. And then people start speaking in, like, Croatian, and German, and Tamil, and Mandarin. And then they start walking out into the quad, and you're like, what is happening? The Spirit of God has come. The prophets talked about this time when the Spirit of God would come on all people. And in the book of Acts, it happened. The Spirit of God came on all people. And when the Spirit of God came on the believers of Christ in the book of Acts, in the early church, they were filled with power to act. They prophesied, they preached, they spoke. They prayed over people and they were healed. The ministry, Luke talks about the ministry of Jesus continued in the early church because people just like Jesus were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and God was speaking to them. God was speaking through them and God was empowering them for ministry. There's so many stories in the early church that talk about the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, speaking, empowering. Um, I want to just mention one. This is uh, Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. And I just want you, I'm going to read this story, I just want you to notice when you hear God get involved. So straight away you do. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and he met an Ethiopian man who was a eunuch and he worked for the Queen Candace of Ethiopia. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was on his way home in a chariot and he was reading the book of Isaiah. And then the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot. And you've got to love Philip. It says, he ran. He ran to the chariot, and he, and he heard the man reading Isaiah. And he asked him, do you know what this means? And the Ethiopian eunuch says, how, how can I, if someone doesn't explain it? And so he, Philip explains it, and he tells him about the Messiah, because he just so happens to be reading Isaiah 53, which is a pro prophecy about the coming Messiah. And so they're riding along, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading, the Holy Spirit, an angel came to Philip, go, he goes to the, the, um, the road, and then the Holy Spirit says, go to the chariot, he runs to the chariot, shares the gospel, the Ethiopian eunuch is with him, and he sees some water, he says, what's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip was like, Nothing. And so they got off, baptized, and this is when it gets very exciting. Baptized, they came out of the water, okay? They came out of the water, and it said, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again. He just took him away. And he showed up at a town, most likely 30 miles away. He just disappeared, teleported. Star Trek. 
have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. We've been talking about who is the Holy Spirit? Where do you see the Holy Spirit in Scripture? And I want to answer the last question, how is the Holy Spirit involved in our lives today? So here I am, learning about the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned, I'm in grad school. I'm in a teaching English as a second language course, a master's course. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this. It was so boring. I really hated it. I know no one's laughing, just like, not me. <laughs> I love my classes. I know you love your classes. I hated it. It was so boring. My, my fellow students really enjoyed it, and so it just wasn't for me. But I was taking a few mission classes on the side, and I really liked the mission classes. And so I prayed about whether I should drop my master's in TESOL and switch to missions. And I just, it's, it wasn't clear still. I was praying about it. I just still didn't know. I was still really confused. And so I did the next thing that you do. You know, I asked some mentors in my life that I really respected. And what do you think I should do? And, and some of them said, oh, you should definitely do TESOL. You'll get a job after graduation. You get money. It's solid TESOL. And then, and then I had other people say, no, no, you should do missions serve Jesus, travel the world, missions. And so the confusing thing happened when the people that told me Tessel, this is real, this is a true story, said, they came back to me and said, oh, I know I, know I told you Tessel, but I, I've just thought about it and I really think you should do missions. And then I had some of the people who really strongly thought I should do missions come back to me and say, no, I know I said missions, but I think you should do Tessel. And I was like a mess. I'm like, ah, what did you just, ah, I don't know. And then literally this happened. It got muddier and muddier, more confusing and more confusing. And I just didn't know what was going on. So this is the period. I'm still in grad school. Uncle Al, Auntie Cheryl is still staying with us. And so I was talking to Uncle Al about it. And he said, well, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> This is, I'm just learning about the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I've been reading about it in the Bible. And he's like, yeah, let's just pray about it. And how about you just ask the Holy Spirit? And so we're in my house, and I don't, can't remember who was there, but there was like a few people there. And we kind of got into a circle. And Uncle Al said, okay, we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit what you should do. And so he said, we're going to have a time of silence and we're going to allow the Spirit of God to speak. And so we're kind of silent for about 30 seconds. And then he's like, okay, what did God say? And I was like, 30 seconds, maybe it was a minute. It was really short. And I'd always thought like, okay, like if you want God to speak to you, you pray for several days, maybe you fast, you go to the chapel and then maybe in three months God will speak to you. But 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And although I was like really surprised, God had spoken to me. Every time I had breathed a breath, I heard in my head the word missions. And so even though 30 seconds is like quite small, it's a lot of missions, missions, 
missions, missions, missions, missions, missions. And so we kind of went around the, the, the circle of people who had been praying, and every person said, I think you should do missions. 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 And finally, it was Annie Cheryl, the biggest advocate of me making money. <laughs> so she was full on tessel. And she opened her eyes, and I still remember, she had tears in her eyes, and she said, when I closed my eyes, I saw a picture of you standing at a pulpit with a massive smile on your face, preaching the gospel. I think you should do missions. How is God involved in our world today? Just as we saw in the Hebrew scriptures and in the New Testament, God speaks to us, to believers in Christ. God speaks through us and God empowers us for ministry. I ended up doing missions. I went to Adelaide, Australia and Papua New Guinea. And when I was on staff in Adelaide at a church, we had a large youth convention. And I was one of the breakout speakers at the youth convention. And when I was there, um, we had our last night. So I was a part of a denomination that had hundreds of people, hundreds of churches, and we got together. It was all the teenagers, the youth groups from around Australia, and we came together and for several days, and we had different speakers at night, just like a, a church camp. And it was the final night of the church camp. And again, I was one of the breakout leaders, so there was like the pastors, the youth group leaders, and then like the breakout leaders. And I was one of the breakout leaders. We're at the last night of camp. And some of you know what the last night of camp is like. Like, worship is amazing. The preaching is on fire. And you just expect God to do amazing things. And so it was right at the end of the night, Saturday night, and the main pastor got up and he said, you know, I want to invite people come down to be prayed for. And he said, I want the pastors and the youth group leaders and the breakout session leaders to come up and pray for people. And at that point, it had been a couple of years since I was in grad school, I'd begun to sense kind of these nudges from God. And I don't know if you've felt that before, just this strong sense you should call someone or like pray for someone talk to someone, and you kind of know it's of God. And so when the pastor said, I want to invite you up to, to come and pray for people, I had that strong, like, it was like a hot sensation, like I needed to do it. And so I was standing up, like, yes, I'm, I'm going to go and pray for people. And I was standing up, and then the pastor finished his sentence. I want you to pray for people 
and give them words of knowledge. I don't know if you know about spiritual gifts. So not only in the Bible do you have people being filled with the Holy Spirit, but you have spiritual gifts. It talks about it four different places in the New Testament. Spiritual gifts given by God to empower people for ministry. Words of knowledge. I want to read to you what it is. God-given ability to have in-depth understanding of a spiritual issue or situation. So basically, God tells you information that you shouldn't know about someone. And so here I am, I'm like, I feel like you need to pray for people. I'm like, yes, Jesus, I'm coming. And I'm coming up and it's like, and give words of knowledge. I'm like, crap, 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 crap. And I really did say that in my head. And so I was like, wherever you are in the middle, I was there. And I'm, I stood up and I had to go then, like I had, I couldn't go back. And I started walking down the aisle. It was a long aisle. And I'm praying to Jesus. Let me tell you, like, Jesus, help me. Jesus, I don't have this gift. (laughs) Like, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, getting closer and closer. The prayers got frantic. And then I just, there was tons of people at the front. And I walked up to the first person. And I just prayed silently. And I had this image come into my head. And I told the person what I saw in a few words about it. And the person started crying and said, that is exactly what God has been teaching me recently. I know exactly what that means. And I went to the next person, prayed, image, crying. I know exactly what's happening. Yes, that's from God. I went around the whole row. And God gave me the spiritual gift of knowledge. (laughs) We've been talking about how God moves in Scripture, how God moves in the world. My 20 years of studying this and experiencing and seeing God actively moving, God speaks to us, God speaks through us, and God empowers us for ministry. I'm going to invite, I think, Dr. Payne, who's going to come up and give you your um, question for the day. So this is the time. Whip out your pieces of paper. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Edwards. Let's clap for Dr. Edwards. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's...